Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Good evening. Welcome to Cavs a Podcast. Uh, I'm here, Evil Genius, with uh, with Tom Pestak and uh, and with Eli. What, uh, do I know your last name, Eli? Yep, Korean Eli. last name Kim. Kim, Kim. That's. Right. <laughs> I just always just go by Eli because it's always the first thing that pops into mind my mind with the Twitter. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Eli Kim, uh, both joining uh, joining me in the uh, in the booth tonight, uh, celebrating. A Cavs sweep. God's, uh, no- God's plan. God's plan. <laughs> another uh, another uh, annihilation of the Toronto Raptors. Who extinction, at this point, extinction level event. Extinction level. At this point, they have to just feel like the Cavs of the late eighties, early nineties, in facing yeah. Michael Jordan. Because yeah. I, they say they flashed a a uh, statistic up there tonight saying that. That was the last time a team had won more than ten straight playoff games against another team. It was Jordan's Bulls over the Cavs in that time time span, and the Cavs have not done that to the Raptors. So, but the Cavs also weren't a first uh, weren't a top seed <laughs> when that happened. They were still, I think, the underdogs to the Bulls at that point. Aside from the the uh, that that very first series with the shot. So, yeah. But I mean, uh, what do we was, make of this? This is this is. <laughs> I cannot imagine being a Raptors fan. I really can't. Yeah, it, it it's got to be. I mean, I kind of vaguely remember what that was like, but I I I just I like that Cavs team so much with Mark Price and Brad Doherty and Ron Harper, and I always kind of felt like. I, I never got like so disheartened that it was like, well, it's Michael Jordan. I guess you know that's just the way it is. But these these losses were just brutal, especially in this series. I mean, the overtime gut punch in Game One when they just couldn't hit. Were they five of twenty four down the stretch? And yeah, the LeBron miracle shot to to seal a deal in Game Three to you know yeah. just when they thought they'd clawed their way back into it and. I don't know, Tom, Eli, Tom, what do you guys think? Were they there at all tonight? Do you think the Raptors 
answered the bell or were they just flying the white flag from the from the get-go well i don't think they were flying the white flag i mean the game was tied what 30 i think they went up 40 to 38 in the middle of the second quarter and then i just thought um the Cavs just kind of imposed their will a bit and um they were shooting well from outside corver hit a three off a lebron feed then jr hit a three and then i thought at that point I'm not sure if people were just following LeBron's lead or if there was something said in the huddle. But the Cavs started really playing aggressive defense. They did a lot of trapping at the top of the key. LeBron played a lot of free safety. Even their transition defense, I felt like was it was more aggressive than than like let's let's get back and not get burned. It was more like hey, yeah, let's try to cause some chaos. And there was a lot of tipped balls from guys that were still getting back on defense and things like that. Um, And then I think really the other thing was that I noticed when the Raptors, like um, Pascal, Siakam especially, were trying to provide um, full-court pressure on LeBron, he responded by like taking on the challenge, kind of fighting it off for the whole court, and then getting fouled. And he did that like three or four times in a row. And he looked gassed. Like he missed, I think, three straight free throws. He kind of sweating like crazy. And I thought at that moment, I'm thinking like, you know, this could be a little bit dangerous. Because if LeBron's going to try to morph into like hero mode and he's gassed. And the rest of the Cavs are going to just kind of stand around and watch. That's like a perfect recipe for the Raptors to get back into it. And on the very next possession... George Hill came over and just grabbed the ball from LeBron. And I forget, Lowry, whoever was guarding him, was not providing nearly <laughs> as much pressure. And Hill, to his credit, did a really nice job being aggressive and attacking the basket. And then there would be um, you know, weak side help, and then he'd swing the ball around. And I, just, I really just thought the Cavs moved bodies yeah. and moved the ball well tonight. And I thought their defense was the most aggressive i've ever seen it like on defense these guys looked like they had played with each other before like they they were rotating off of the center usually and forcing the center who was catching at the top or at the free throw line extended to make a play and it just it kept working out for them Um, well and and when the center and when the center is uh is serge ibaka or chewbacca that that's a little bit a little bit more dicey i i was a little shocked that 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 uh, Casey decided not to start Jonas, although Jonas was pretty effective off the bench against yeah, the second was. unit, which so that was a plus. But taking him out of that starting lineup, it just felt like that they just didn't have an answer in, in down low, and because the Cavs just seemed to get to the rack like repeatedly. I mean, the, the, George Hill's not going to drive and dunk on consecutive possessions if Jonas Valanciunas is in there, but. With Serge Ibaka in there, like that—that that was just—I mean, he was just ultra aggressive. I agree with you. Like that was—it's so great to see a healthy George Hill out there because he makes such a difference in terms of of uh, just kind of stabilizing the offense, but also just just his aggressiveness when he's when he when he's healthy, he can he can be aggressive like that. And you you forget like this is a guy who's played with the Spurs and played with some great Pacer teams and you know even though he's been a little bit in oblivion the last uh you know year and a half with with Utah and, and Sacramento like 
George Hill can be a really good player. How about you? How about you, Eli? What did you see? Yeah, like Tom mentioned, I really thought the Cavs really moved the ball today, and it's evident they had 29 assists, and um, on the defensive side, they forced nine steals. So that's great. Yeah, I think um, like you know, not to beat a dead horse or dead raptor in this case, but the <laughs> Cavs definitely you know played I think their best complete game and. Even in the stretch when they went down for a little bit, I think it was a little bit of Ty Lue getting cute with the lineups, and it's been a huge pet peeve of mine. Yeah. But you can't just continue. To, I mean, I get that Lou really loves Jeff Green, and that he's going to play him a lot, and we got to just live with that. But you can't play Jeff Green with Tristan Thompson, Clarkson, and Jetty Osmond. I mean, there's just not enough spacing with that lineup. Yeah, we they play that lineup for two minutes and they go Toronto went on a ten zero run, so that's something that I think against a team like Toronto they can get away with. But going forward, if they trot that lineup out again, it's going to be really disappointing to see the adjustments not being made. Yeah, I mean, I guess I wasn't as I don't think I'd be as hard on on Ty maybe just because this this also felt like a little bit of experimentation. You know, I mean, you know, he said before the game he was he was contemplating playing, playing Chetty and and maybe even playing uh, Calderon for for stretches. Although he kind of went, he kind of didn't do that until garbage time. Uh, you know, he kind of stuck with Clarkson there, but certainly like like I don't think did Hood even Hood Hood didn't even play so yep. even in garbage time. So I think that was a you know, like a, a message a little bit to to Rodney, but also. Uh, look, Chetty did some nice things in his minutes. I mean, he was plus nine. Oh, yeah. He, you know, he, he hit a couple of shots. You know, he, he missed a three in a corner, but but he had a good look at it. Kind of went in and out, and then he hit a really smart deli esque foul um, to stop a, a Raptors break uh, towards the towards the end of that half. And you know, look for as bad as Ty Lue's decision to to play those guys together was. Man, like Dwayne Casey deciding for some reason to put Lucas Noguera in for the last <laughs> two minutes of the first half. I mean, I, that dude was minus ten in two minutes, and and yeah. there's a reason why the Cavs finished on like a a ten zero run. Yeah, they half. scored. Yeah, they they finished on a huge run, and it happened quickly. Yeah. Um. So what 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 I mean. What else does uh, I mean? Obviously, LeBron was he fell short of the triple double, but but man, twenty nine points, eleven assists, eight rebounds. I mean, he he was twelve of nineteen shooting, and he was the he was the least efficient Cav uh, starter with with those numbers. I well, mean, he started playing around a little bit in the second half too, you know. Yeah, but even I mean, still, like you look at the rest of the starting lineup. I mean, for for a while there in the first half, between Hill, Corver, and Smith, they didn't miss a shot. And in fact, Jr. didn't miss a shot all game. He was six of six, three of three from three, fifteen funny. points. It's funny. I don't know if you listened to the halftime show with um, Kenny, Charles, and Shaq and Ernie Johnson, but um, over the all course- I heard was all I heard was Charles trying to justify how the Raptors could still were still in it, could still come back. <laughs> yeah. Well, after that, you know, Kenny has been beating this horse for the whole series that the Raptors have to double team LeBron James and Shaq and Charles disagree with him and say, you know, he's too willing of a passer. So, you know, LeBron wants you to double team him. So then EJ goes over or, um, uh, Kenny goes over to the, 
to the video screen right. and shows LeBron backing down some Raptor and says, look right here, you have to send a double. And then when he's done, and I was noticing that the other four players were all good shooters. So I believe George Hill, Kevin Love, Kyle Korver, and J.R. Smith were the four other players on the court when LeBron was posting up. Right. And uh, after that, you know, Charles and Shaq were just like, I think Shaq said, look, Ernie, or I said, EJ, he was, or uh, Kenny, he wasn't even looking to score there. He, he was backing the guy down for five seconds. If he wanted to score, he would have just scored. He right. was waiting for the defense to bite so that he could make the pass. And that's absolutely correct. And when JR is shooting the way he did tonight, completely unstoppable from the right wing where he seems to have the most success and Corver is camped out in the left wing where his release is so fast it's almost like he's playing hot potato that's yeah. like how quickly you can't even see his fingers move it's like he it's like he's covered but he still releases it so quick you're like oh yeah that guy had no chance to like really contest that well you forget how tall he is too yeah right? i mean he can tall. really just shoot he's over like lebron's height yeah he's like six eight six nine yeah but when the Cavs can put two knockdown three-point shooters uh, in the corners like that, and then Kevin Love and George Hill are playing as aggressive as they did tonight. I mean, look, I did not think the Raptors laid down tonight. I mean, maybe in the middle of the third, after the DeRozan flagrant oh, two, yeah. maybe then they did a little bit, or you know, maybe just they lost their um, kind of drive. But I, I felt like the Cavs were just putting on a clinic. Yeah. And um, Well, I felt like certain guys kept trying, like C.J. Miles seemed to keep trying, yeah. and uh, Lowry for a little bit. Although Lowry, man, he just couldn't get a shot to go. Yeah. And, and DeRozan, you know, he had that dunk, uh, what, to give him the, to give him the, the brief lead, right? To, it was at the, the blown Jeff Green, Tristan defense when he just had that that inbounds uncontested dunk um but yeah and then and then jonas seemed to not stop playing i mean he had a he had a pretty good game off the bench i mean 18 points in 16 minutes but yeah i mean you could tell like you know van vliet obviously the shoulder is probably bothering him you know he was kind of a not the guy that he was in the regular season Ananobi really regressed. I mean, I think maybe the Cavs really decided to, we're not going to give this guy any open threes this game. Um, you know, they just did a nice job on the perimeter of making guys put the ball on the floor and, and not giving up a lot of a lot of three-point shots. I mean, Raptors were only 4-15 tonight from, from three-point land, and, you know, after a while they just stopped. Well, the Cavs were just swarming, I felt like. Um I, I, it was great to see. I mean, I know that when they play undersized like that with with love at the five, you know they're going to struggle at times to to defend. But at least you know the way they were being aggressive like that, it was just speeding up the game. And yeah. that trapping, maybe you can't do that against every team or do it the whole game. But the Raptors seem totally flummoxed, you know. Yeah. So. Well, Kevin actually great. had two blocks this game. Yeah, a huge one on on Balanchunas from behind, which was kind yeah, of awesome. Yeah, he had two steals, too. So. Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah. Yeah, I really wish... I saw it again late in the game where Larry Nance grabbed a rebound, but then like on his way down, he lost the handle. <laughs> I noticed that a lot 
in the Indiana series, and I felt like it might have been part of the reason he got benched. It wasn't. I don't think it was just that TT had a good game. I think Lou was losing faith that um, Nance could be impactful as the physicality ratcheted up. I really wish he could be more sure-handed because just defensively, TT tonight, it's like people just abused him going to the rack. Well, especially Jonas, too, yeah. Well, not even him. I mean, guards, like, that TT's squared up against, and it's like they can still just get by him, you know. Sorry about that. I mute myself. Is the combined weight of those dogs, like, eight pounds? (laughs) Yeah, just about. I'm going to mute myself so you can't hear them. Go ahead. Keep keep talking about this. No, I just felt like... Man, you know, these guys should not have been able to both get past TT um, when they started dribbling from the top of the key, and also he wasn't really able to alter their shot. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. You might have to stick with him, especially given his track record against Al Horford if the Celtics do advance. <coughs> but I just love so much of what Larry Nance does. Um, as a the way he slides his feet as a defender and just how springy he is as like a weak side um you know dunker but yeah again i don't know i mean it's just i'm glad finally lou shelved rodney hood i rodney hood might be a really nice guy and everything and boy he his statistically he was one of the better shooters in the league the last couple years but he looks so lost right now um, the cow- and, and I feel like Clarkson as well. Like, I mean, maybe mentally Clarkson's not as compromised as Rodney Hood, but Clarkson got called for two carrying violations tonight, and he could have got called for four. Yeah, and, yeah. and that's how boneheaded he was being. And then, um, you know, I, I get that he's like a live wire and he can do some good things for you, but I just, I mean, maybe it'll be fine to play him against the Celtics, but you know, you go up against the Warriors, and it will be the Warriors. And, man, you I don't know so, how... Huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I don't know how this version of the Cavs will fare better than previous versions. And so it's like, you can't even take a minute off. And so you can't mess around. And so I don't know if Teron Lue's been messing around all this series with all these random lineups to see what he's got. And if he has, maybe that's like the hidden genius that I've never been able to (laughs) give him because I'm too impatient. I don't know. I just, I like to win games, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I I, I will say this about to that end about trying to figure stuff out. Yeah. This version of George Hill gives the Cavs a very different, ceiling in my opinion i agree um i I, you know we we know kevin love can be super impactful or kind of fade we know lebron just gives us best player in the game like level of um he delivers every night uh and then and then you just don't know like you don't know is it going to be corver is it going to be jr you know you're going to get a little bit of this guy or that guy is tt going to pop in a couple around the hoop but with george hill if you can get that steadying presence, really at both ends, the guy that, like, especially when he's aggressive offensively, because defensively, like, the way the Cavs got abused in the pick and roll all regular season, he just mitigates so much of that. He knows how to guard the pick and roll. He's very strong. 
and he's got long arms, and it's just like the the ball handler tries to, you know, he takes the pick and tries to go to the hoop, and Hill can recover and and yeah. get his his shoulders squared back up and you know, eliminate those just easy baskets. And I saw it time and time again uh, tonight, and I just thought like that's just something the Cavs didn't have all season. They didn't really have it in the Indiana series either. So as far as like switch flipping. Um, I think, you know, having a healthy and aggressive George Hill and having Kevin Love play the way like he played tonight, which is just domination. Um, yeah, the Cavs are, are scary. I mean, t- like, I think people don't realize Toronto was a very good defensive team this year because the Cavs just, like, had no problem dropping, like, 120 on them every game. But they actually were. They were, like, a top-five defensive team. So, I mean, I, I think... People might not be giving the Cavs enough credit even now for well, the tr- the transformation. To build on that point, uh, the Cavs' defense, I think, has been just equally as impressive because this uh, going into this game, the number one efficient offense in the second round were the Cavs, and the number two was the Raptors. So to limit the Raptors to ninety three points in an elimination game, I think I think that's more impressive personally. Yeah. Well, yeah, especially when. Like half of the fourth quarter was garbage time. Anyway. Yeah. Well, and they did. I mean, DeRozan did did uh, get ejected yeah, with the flaker too for yet another fourth quarter. So he, weird, crazy that uh, Toronto's star basically missed, or one of them anyways missed the the last two quarters of the last two games. Are, or, are you surprised with? Are you guys surprised with how useless DeRozan was? Like, I mean. DeRozan's no. a second tier star in my opinion, but I mean he played like I mean he was not good at all like this whole series. I mean that I, I remember last year he wasn't or maybe it was maybe it was two years ago when he won the championship. DeRozan had a couple of good games. But I've always felt like DeRozan is is like fool's C like C level Kobe. You know what I mean? Like he takes shots that are that are not high percentage shots necessarily you know, a lot of his game is is driving mid-range um you know and at least Kobe could shoot threes like DeRozan worked on his three game over the summer but if you look at the series I think he was pretty awful from three yeah throughout the whole series I'm looking at it now I mean he was I mean oh my god like he was he didn't, he didn't make one he was 0 for yeah. 9 he was oh. 0 for 9 in the first two games, and he didn't take one in the last two games. Yeah, and that was one of the key things that people pointed to as how the Raptors kind of took the next step this regular season was he added a three-point shot to his game, and they spread out their offense more. And then the other thing was that they relied on their bench so much. and Yeah, and the bench didn't matter in the end. It really didn't, yeah. yeah. It really I mean, didn't. especially the way that Dwight Casey, or Dwayne Casey used or didn't use the bench. I mean, you know, obviously they, they played a lot of minutes tonight, but you know, he, he just, he, you know, Van Vliet, obviously Van Vliet, Van Vliet had the, the bat banged up shoulder. So yep. that, that factors in, but you know, the guy that filled in for him, DeLon Wright kind of disappeared this series. Um, you know, we didn't see any of, of, uh, what's his name? Was it Powell? Yeah. Who was really good in the in the series uh, last year against the Cavs? Um, 
you know, and then guys like Siakam and Ananobi were were okay. Like Ananobi had a really nice game three, but that was about the extent of it. And he, for all of the hype on him saying like, you know, the help us, you know, OG Ananobi, your only hope against LeBron, it was, you know, LeBron still <laughs> still averaged like what thirty four points a game yeah, in the like series. So, yeah, you know, it's it's kind of. It's kind of anti-intuitive, I guess, but um, but yeah, I mean, just a really impressive. The Cavs scored almost thirty points in all four quarters. They had a thirty-seven point third quarter, which is usually their 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 nadir. Yeah, and yeah, and and I felt like LeBron really set the tone there because I think out of half the Raptors scored first, and they were looking a little bit spry, and LeBron like ran over asked for the ball to be inbounded to him, immediately went down the court. And I think he scored on like a layup or got fouled or something. But he had this look in his eye like, I am not messing around. Like we are putting this team to bed now, and they did. Yeah. Well, and to your point, like LeBron, I mean, most most of the starters played 30, 30 minutes or under, and LeBron played 38 in a game that basically had an entire quarter of garbage time. Yeah. Mainly because he probably didn't want to come back if the if the bench started to bleed that lead away. So, I mean, they were up almost 30 going into the fourth, or I guess 20 going into the fourth. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, just a really impressive closeout game. And closeout games, we know, are, are always difficult. And, you know, you, you just hope that guys don't get injured, like, like what happened in that closeout game against the Celtics in the first round of 2015. But... Uh, yeah, Cavs, Cavs sweep away the Raptors once again. Um, so I, I guess, do want to add one yeah. quick thing, I guess. I actually thought, you know, Lowry last year and the year before, he really didn't show up. But this year, I actually thought he played pretty well against us. Well, against yeah, last, the Cavs. And, you know, you're right he, about last year. I think he was a total no-show when the Cavs swept him. But two years ago, you remember the Cavs won games one and game two by a billion then the Raptors went home and actually won. That's true. Two one games. two in a row. Yeah, because yeah. the Cavs had won ten straight. Uh huh. And then they lost two. Uh, to the is that right? Yeah, they lost to like yeah, they Patrick lost, Patterson. They lost and two he had to those the Raptors. Awesome games. And then because they swept Detroit and then they swept Atlanta. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they won the first two. And it was like, holy cow, the Cavs have won 10 straight. Like, what is happening? Remember Channing Fry Friday had like 29 points against <laughs> yeah. the Hawks, and the Cavs set all these NBA all-time records. That's right. And then it, they just were doing the same thing to the Raptors. And then suddenly, like, the Raptors went home, and they went a little bit nuts. And I remember Lowry and DeRozan both played really well. Well, it was like the Biombo game and the Patrick Patterson yeah, game. Yeah, there was the Biombo oh, yeah. game, too. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I remember that. That's right, and Dante Dante Jones hitting him in the in the family jewels, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> well, all right. So that brings me to the the next question, which is: Are the rap are the Raptors the worst a worse number one seed than the Hawks of sixteen and the Celtics of seventeen? Um. Well, you know that's tough because the Celtics of seventeen, Isaiah Thomas was basically hurt and then he actually stopped playing um but if you have but even me, before even before yeah. that playoffs they were they were people said well what did they didn't they win like 53 games like one or two more than yeah. the Cavs did no i would say going into it like 
who has the loudest like touchpad ever? Is that you, Eli? <laughs> oh, is that me? Sorry. What am I listening to? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, all things being equal, you know, before the playoffs had started, I think I would have said the sixteen Hawks were the best of the three, followed by this year's Raptors, followed by last year's Celtics, in that order. How about how about you guys? How about you, Eli? Um, or wait, yeah. not the sixteen, not the sixteen Hawks, the fifteen Hawks. Is that what you meant? The was year it, the Hawks were the one seed. Were they the one seed? Was that twenty? Yeah, that was, that was yeah. fifteen. And that's when we beat them without Kyrie and without Kevin Love. It was Who like, was the one seed in sixteen? Then we were. We were. Were we? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. Really. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I think I would agree with you. I think the Hawks probably were the best team because they had. I mean, they had Corver. Millsap, Horford, Horford Millsap, Jeff, Jeff Teague, Teague, yeah, and uh, Demari Carroll. Demari oh yeah, that's it. Demari Carroll really helped um, kind of even them out. Yeah, yeah. And then I, I would say that was probably the best. And then obviously the, the Celtics, I guess on paper, will be behind that. And then I would. I mean, I, I think this Raptors team was actually good. I mean, yeah, looking at their good. record, they swept the the Rockets this year. Yeah, and they, they had a good. nineteen and eleven record against the West, so I don't buy that this was a bad team, but it's just a really bad matchup because so let's use um, simple rating system, which is what Basketball Reference uses on regular season to basically say who's the best team. So this year, the the league leader in simple rating system was Houston with an eight point two. Toronto was second with seven point three, yeah. and then it's a big drop off to the Warriors who were five point six. So if we go to last year, number one was the rap, the Warriors, eleven point four. Wow! <laughs> and then there's a, and then it was the Spurs, Rockets, and then actually Clippers, Jazz. This is the thing. This is why, like, I was yelling eg at all the sports writers like a month ago when they were like, <laughs> "There's no way the Cavs," because I'm like, you don't remember how bad the Cavs were last year in 2017 and then they completely steamrolled to the finals and actually played pretty well even though it was a gentleman's sweep yeah they played pretty darn well against the warriors better than anyone else did um they did look they were a kyle corver three away from evening that series at two two so if we go back to uh the 2014 2015 yeah the the hawks had actually the third best simple rating system above the Cavs. So it was Warriors, uh, Spurs, Al, Clippers too. I thought Clippers were good that year. So they were fourth, and then the Hawks. So based on that, you got to go with Toronto this year, then the Hawks of 2015 when they won 60 games, and then um, the, uh, the Celtics. I mean, the Celtics are always like a try-hard team. They win right. more games than they should. Right. And basically the Cavs kind of seeded the, the, the well, like, top Yeah, the regular the season, I mean, I almost have to concede at this point that there is a switch. And there's so many things that go into it. Yeah. And I think, honestly, the some of the biggest things that go into it is the Cavs actually prepare for their opponents in the playoffs. And because they don't really have a defensive identity and they don't practice... 
they just don't care that much about the regular season because they're so confident that, like, whatever they're seeding. I mean, remember we said that last year, how they just completely disrespected the regular season and they had the two seed and it, like, didn't matter, you know? Oh, yeah. And then oh, look, this year, this, this year, year they're, they're gonna, 29th best defense yeah, in the league. I know. So what happens? Let's just say, let's just say for the sake of argument that they like sweep or gentlemen sweep like the spur, like the uh, the the Celtics, mm-hmm. and they'll say LeBron sticks around. I mean, what's gonna what's next year gonna look like? Are they gonna be like, well, as long as we get the eight seed, like we're good? <laughs> I mean, like, is that the new challenge? Like, oh, let's see how low of a seed we can get, and then just yeah. break people's hearts on the way yeah. up. Yeah, like I'm wondering how much they can not care. I mean. If they cared about winning regular season games, wouldn't they have stopped playing Isaiah Thomas? Yeah, probably. You know, I don't know. I, I mean, I, he only played 15 games before they traded him away, but I get your yeah, point. Yeah, but, but after, like, five, it was pretty obvious when you're losing games by, like, yeah, I think, 40 to but whoever I think, you play. I think five games is not enough of a, of a litmus test, especially when a guy... Because the first two games, he actually was pretty good. In the first game, yeah, he, he showed some stuff. I mean, look, 15 games is not egregious if you're trying to figure it out with a guy who's was it a, finished, what, fourth in the MVP race the, the year before. I mean, even though he's on a bad wheel, like, you kind of have to give that the benefit of the doubt. But um, but I, I'm with you. I mean, I think there's definitely a switch that they flip. I was worried a little bit more about it this year because there's only four guys around it from the past when the switch got flipped before. So, and there's no real veterans outside. I mean, that's why I think Perk's probably been a good uh, locker room guy because they don't have Channing and they don't have uh, RJ and they don't have James Jones, James freaking Jones. Uh, you know, Corver is probably the, the next oldest head, you know, that, that can kind of help guys out. And he certainly helps with the shooting. But, you know, in terms of guys that have been, because Kyle hasn't won a ring, right? I mean, like he's yeah. of all the guys that are sort of left around from the the team last year that that uh, that's oh been through the Oh my gosh, flash. you guys! There's Lebronto T-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I gotta get one of these. <laughs> Tom. <laughs> I gotta post this in well, our uh, thing. Well, so I guess that brings me to the question: Do we think so? Maybe that's the wrong question to ask. Is, is Toronto uh, was Toronto the worst one seed, or did they just run into a, a a matchup that they can't mentally get over with the Cavs, or is that being unfair to the Cavs and short selling what they're capable of here? Well, I think I think Game One definitely kind of messed them up mentally. And then, I mean, that LeBron game, too, he, he's never done that in his career. He may never do that again, right? Like, we've seen thousands of LeBron games. Right. You mean, the, many, you mean the fadeaways? Yeah, he hit, like, eight fadeaways, like, contested fadeaways in one half. Like, eight in a row or something stupid like yeah. that. I it mean, yeah, crazy. it's one thing when he makes, like, like, tonight, like, he made one, and it was like, oh, man. And then he made Was that the uh, one that went over the backboard? That was the one I remember. I think he did hit one other semi-contested, like, fadeaway. Okay, so two. Right? That one over the backboard was absolutely ridiculous. Oh, it was. It oh, was. Yeah. Now imagine him doing that, like, six more times. Like, that's no, what I'm I saying. No, we didn't that... have to. We saw it. We can go back and watch the tape from game two, yeah. Right, right. <laughs> so I think they just, that was the buzzsaw game, that game two. Yeah. And then game three, that was more of a typical Cavs game where they're the better team, but then they don't. 
they do dumb things and Ty Lue plays dumb lineups and they kind of go into the prevent offense in the fourth quarter. They've done that a lot, especially in the playoffs. They did it a lot against Indiana where they kind of grind to build up a bit of a lead and then they would just kind of, you know, um, let it let it drift away from them in the fourth quarter. And yeah. then, of course, LeBron hits that shot. Um, and then tonight they were just, the Cavs were just, like I said, I felt like they put on a clinic tonight offensively. Oh, yeah. That was beast mode. Like they were all, they all came ready to play. I think they were all fired up because of the 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 SNL sketch that didn't air. <laughs> yeah, maybe. You know, yeah. our point guard yeah. is a Roomba yeah. sketch, and our you know what was the dog's name at, at center, um, <laughs> which was by the way hilarious short short. If you haven't checked it out, uh, we'll you know let Nate link to it in the in the uh, the recap. Yesterday of, of game three, but um, but I mean, not I mean, it looked pretty close to the truth if you look at the Indiana series. It's it's like they waited a they waited a couple like a week too long to to come up with that one because man the 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 other guys stepped up this series. I mean, you know, after a, a shaky game one, Kevin Love has been awesome the last three games, and George Hill has been great. And Jr. had the one-off game in Game Three where he was sick and didn't score, but he still defended pretty well. And man, he was just—he didn't miss a shot tonight. It's like—it's almost like he, he made up for all the you know the shots he didn't take in the previous game tonight. And Corver was really solid all the way through too. Yeah. Oh yeah, he really was. He had a deflection too on one of those where everyone was trapping. Yeah. Um. So, do we think that the the Pacers series was maybe the best thing that could have happened to the Cavs then in that round one to give them something really gritty and because it seems like it would certainly get them ready for if they have to play the Celtics, right? Yeah, I think just that having to deal with that, like every play, everyone's just following you the whole time. Um, I really do think it it has paid off the fact that no one really got hurt um and they seem all rested you know i mean after lebron's game one where he was tired he's been fine everyone else seems stronger than ever well, kevin Love looked really bad for a couple games in a row and i think maybe he was dealing with that um the the strained ligament in his in his non-shooting hand or something because he just looks completely like tip-top form right now yeah and um yeah, I think I think again, like I don't I don't know necessarily that other than the fact that the uh the Pacers were arguably the better team and the Cavs just found ways to win. I mean, they won that series despite being outscored by like forty some odd points for the series. Yeah. And, you know, Indy was definitely the more physical team. Um their bench and role players played better. The Cavs really strung together some duct tape to win that game and yeah I, I do think I, I said it after that series ended I said like you know Toronto's a way better team than Indiana but they're not going to play nearly as physical and a lot of other people kind of I think you did too EG a lot of other people were like oh yeah totally and not to mention Indiana's been a tough team for us the last couple of years it's been tough to win at Banker's Life Fieldhouse and um, honestly though I, I didn't think it would take them I didn't think they'd take it to seven games. I, I really, I think the Cavs, I didn't either. I didn't. I think either. the Cavs got punched in the mouth that first game, and yeah. 
from there it was a real series, and I just think, um, you know, I think they they took him a little lightly, and and George Hill uh, getting hurt didn't help. Yeah, either. you're right. George yeah. Hill was hurt, and Kevin was hurt, and yep. uh, yeah, I mean it was it was touch and go there for a while. I mean when I, I it's weird though. I, like once they won game was a game five on the crazy LeBron shot, or was I? No, that was game yeah. three. Was it game five? Uh, I feel like it was game five. Yeah, because game three, right? Game three, they gave yeah, up the seventeen-point lead or whatever, and and choked yeah. that away. Yeah, but yeah, that that game where LeBron hit that that the game winner, I thought they're going to be okay. I thought it was four. Maybe it was four, but I thought they're no, going to no, be. Sorry, it was five. It was five. Yeah. It was at home. So. I was like, they're going to be okay now because, and I expected them to get blown out in game six. To be honest, because uh, I think they were just like, we're tired. We're you know, let's just let's just win it back on our own home on our own home court. And if it goes seven, that's fine. But um, I mean, look, I, 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 I think Indiana, the way that Nate McMillan has his, his defensive schemes and the way they played them with the grabbing, and you know, I think it's it's I think it's a really good prep for what they're going to face potentially against the against the Celtics, and and then in the in the finals against against either one of those teams. So, um, so. Speaking of that, Eli, what do you think? Do you do you think the the Sixers had a big win tonight before the Cavs started their game? Uh, they finally got in the win column against the Celtics. Uh, what do you think? You think they can come all the way back? I think Joel Embiid is uh, an, is enough to, to carry them carry him on his uh, on his back and his ego all the way. Unfortunately, I think it's just too late. And the way if they had one game. Three, it, I think it'd be a completely different series, and Philadelphia would be the favorite to win still. But blowing that game, I think, has really sunk them in. I think mentally they're done, and they're so young and inexperienced. I think they're just gonna not be able to get over that. How about you, Tom? What was the question again? I was too busy retweeting um, Bill Simmons' <laughs> <laughs> attack tweets. Oh, man. I'm sure that's fun. Well, I guess the question is, do you think there's any chance for the Sixers to come back, pull the pull the pull what no no other team has done in 129 tries and come out of a 0-3 hole? I would say yes if they were playing a different team. Um, because I think the Sixers are more talented than they've shown. And I think just like the talent differential is there to do it. But I just, you know, I've just seen too much of the Celtics really. They just, no matter who is it, who is on that floor for them, they play good defense. And so they're, they're keeping the 76ers from popping off and from, you know, Ben Simmons being impactful. So, um, I don't see it. I just think that the Celtics are going to be like a boa constrictor, just like tighten, tighten, tighten the screws. And so really it's going to come down to, can the Celtics just get enough scoring in one of these games? And I think the answer is yes, because they find ways to get balanced scoring from all these young guys. So, yeah. Um, um, I, I, I don't, I don't really see it. I think, I think defensively they're going to be too much for, um, and I, you know, remember our old boy Ryan Hollins? Sure. You know he's doing um, sports media now, and he's on like 
Wingo and Golick now. Really? Yeah, and he's, he's pretty... also on Fox Sports a lot too. Okay, he's pretty good. I mean, he he he's pretty good, and he was talking today about that, and just saying how maybe it was yesterday, and he was just saying how like that play where Horford stole the ball on the inbound. He's like, that's just inexperience. Like, Embiid's got to know. Right. He could have, like, almost decapitated Horford in order to prevent him from stealing that ball, and the ref's not going to blow the whistle in that situation. Yeah. And that's just the kind of thing that that's just playoff basketball, and he just doesn't realize that yet. And I'm thinking, you know, like, and then he also, and so then I think it was Wingo or something said, well, what about the Celtics? Aren't they young too? And then he like immediately followed up with like, well, yeah, but last year Jalen Brown had the lovely assignment of, you know, guarding LeBron for five games. And, you know, that, that's kind of, that's where you grow is that, you know, your second time through is just much different in the playoffs. You kind of understand the rhythm and how much more physical it is. Yeah. All those guys, except for Tatum have been through a playoff series, I think. Right. Yeah, and that's the problem with the with the Sixers is those guys just haven't been there before. Aside from Redick and and like Bellinelli and Ilya Sova, who've been a lot less, a lot a lot more contained uh, yeah. against the Celtics. And yeah. I mean, look, I honestly I felt like people were getting way too carried away when you know with the with the Philly win streak to end the the season. I've said it before a lot. If you look at those those teams they were playing, they they were not. They're not world beaters by any stretch. In fact, I think only two of the teams actually wound up going to the playoffs. Uh, one of them was the Cavs, where the, the Cavs came back, almost came all the way back from a 35-point deficit in the second yeah, half. That was because crazy. Philly's just inexperienced, and you're right. Like The interesting thing is that I actually think they play better without Embiid on the, on ah, the floor totally. sometimes. And it could because because then... Simmons seems to like it when you don't have to defer to a guy that's you know sort of like like sort of dominating the paint like that and, and he takes bad threes and he you know he turns the ball over a lot for a big guy I mean pr- kind of like at a at a almost like a boogie esque level right now like he, yeah he's averaging like five turnovers turnovers a game so I don't know I think part of what fueled them on that even on that win streak was the fact that they picked up those two vet guys. And their shooters were were knocking them down, and Simmons was was operating like a you know like a B version of LeBron from a passing standpoint. So um, you know when they introduced Embiid back into the mix, I just think it. I mean, it was fine yeah. against a team like Miami, but against a team like Boston, even depleted, um, you know, you're just not going to have the same opportunities, and they're going to make you pay for every every loose ball and turnover. Right. Yeah, I just well, the interesting thing was Embiid didn't even play that great today, but they still won. And it was mostly because T.J. McConnell just showing out today. Yeah. So I'm a little worried long-term. I still really don't think they can get another game. Yeah. Well, assuming that, um, and assuming well, what that means will be that the Cavs will play the Celtics, I think, wouldn't it start like Sunday or Monday, something like that? I think the, the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, uh, yeah, I think Sunday maybe. So, what do we? Th- what do we? Th- if that were it's Cavs Celtics, what part three of the last four years, right? Yeah. So, 
does this Celtics team have a shot against the Cavs? Minus their two, their two uh, big stars that they tra- that they traded for in the offseason? Well, I guess okay. ask you ask yourself this: um, Do you think they can? You know, if you if you think both of these things that they can play the same level of defense as the Pacers and that the Cavs will have you just almost nothing from their supporting cast by way of Kevin Love and George Hill, um, then I would say, yeah, they. Th- I don't see a whole lot of difference between them now and the Pacers roster. But, you know, I'm not really sure it's the same, that they're the, that they're the same physically. They might be as good, if not better, defensively. I'm not sure they're as good physically as physical, just top to bottom. Um, and I just think the Cavs are playing at a much higher level right now. So I don't know that the Celtics can score enough to keep up. You know, yeah. I think they're well, going to try to junk up the game as much as they can. Oh, for and sure. That, and that's why that series with the Pacers may have really paid off because you know they can. The Cavs now know how to play through that. Right. Well, even Toronto tried to junk up the game when they came back. They did they in over- game three. Yeah, yeah, when they overcame the seventeen-point deficit, they, you know, they they really kind of they threw some weird rotations at the Cavs. They really yeah, they did a lot of full court pressing and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so what what would you what would you say then, Tom? If it's Cavs Celtics in the ECF, what where I mean, I I feel like it's like a five, five four one <laughs> gentleman sweep. Yeah, yeah. The Cavs are trending up, and I think the Celtics. I'm really impressed with what they've been able to do, you know, without Kyrie um, and what these young guys are capable of. But I just think they're going to have such a talent disparity. And as long as, you know, the other thing, unlike the Pacers, who always give the Cavs fits, I just think the Cavs, just like they own this mental edge against the Raptors, I think they own it against the Celtics as well. And they clearly own it against Al Horford. Yeah. Al Horford turns Tristan Thompson into like Bill Russell. So <laughs> if there's any of that juice still left, I think we're gonna see. Um, you know, if they if they try to go through Al Horford, go through a plotting big man, big man on part of their offense, um, the Cavs will oblige that for yeah. sure. How about you, Eli? What's your what's your vibe on the that series? Well, I think the Cavs will. Are, the Celtics are a little bit of a tougher matchup because they do play so physical. And they have like four physical dudes they could throw at LeBron. So I do think it will be a tougher series than the Toronto one. So if I had to conservatively guess, I would think it's a six, it goes six games. Yeah. Um, I'm a little, I do, I am very curious what your opinion is on Brad Stevens because lately there's been all these takes about how he's. You know, potentially worth more than a star, and in my opinion, this may be a little hot take, but I just I think he's a great coach. Don't get me wrong, but until he pulls off an upset or gets his team to the finals, I just don't think the media should crown him like he's some kind of coaching god. I oh mean, man, I, I, I think it's hilarious. You're you're preaching to the converted, my friend. <laughs> um, although I will say, I've been. I've been very outspoken about my feelings on this topic, and I, I fe- have felt what you just said to the to, to an exponential degree. Uh, I, I and it's not Brad Stevens' fault. Uh, 
right? Like, so much of it comes from the people in the media, the, you know, the talking heads, the, you know, other, other, you know, former players, whatever. Everybody's sort of bowing down to the shrine of Brad Stevens, and he's won nothing. Like, the dude hasn't even made it out of the East yet. And I get it. He's got a every year. He's got a new team of tryhards that he winds up getting to play like you know his scrappy teams that he did at Butler. You know, like like playing hustle defense and sacrificing everything for the team. And um, you know, so I'm actually it's it's I'm actually kind of bummed out we don't get to see him how he interacts with a with a star like Kyrie or even Gordon Hayward and how that meshes into his everyone's selling out for the team because I, I we Kyrie hasn't been that guy without LeBron, right? I mean, there's been moments during this regular season that, that you see it a little bit, but you know, I don't know. I mean, Kyrie's a different kind of cat, so I'm not sure. I'd be interested to see how that, that all went down. I'm sure he'd be, he would rise to the occasion if he was playing just because it's LeBron. But, um, but I, I, look, I give Brad Stevens a lot of credit for getting the most out of guys that are, you know, would be mediocre under a different coach. Like Terry Rozier would probably be, would probably be a mediocre point guard under Tyron Lue because oh, yeah. he's for just, sure. you know, he, Tyron Lue wouldn't give him the ability to believe in himself and put him in situations where he would succeed. And, you know, he'd, he'd be jerking him around and the, the, as soon as he had a bad shooting game, which he's had a few of, this year, like even in the playoffs, he's had some bad shooting games, but um, you know, I think I think there'd be a confidence level that would that he'd lose there. But I don't know. Look, I, I for the first time ever, I'm willing to give Brad Stevens a little bit more credit than I have in the past. But I'm I'm right with you. I, I don't think there's any reason why he should be this sort of anointed, uh, you know, president genius or whatever his title is these days. If he loses to Ty Lue three times and gets swept in one of them, sure. gentleman's sweep game and twice, I mean, it's just not. I just don't know how you can say he's the next Popovich. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's just yeah. me. Win some just win me. win get. You're right. Get to some finals. Win a title. Do something. You know. I mean. In my book, Tyron Lue has half of a championship because he only coached half of a year that they won. Um, but, you know, and, and he doesn't always make great decisions. But, you know, credit where credit's due. Ty Lue is really good at, at, at inbounds plays and drawing them up. And, you know, he occasionally will hit on, you know, the, the, the right rotation at the right time, although that's not all that often. But, look, the guy, you can point to it and say, well, he's had LeBron, and that's true. But... Um, but hopefully having LeBron is, it will eventually make him a better coach. Uh, I guess we'll see about that. I'm sure Ben would disagree, but, um, yeah, I, I think I actually, I'm with you. I think the Celtics will probably take it to six. Uh, I don't think the Cavs want to take the risk of having to play a game seven in the garden. So I do think they'll, they'll take care of business, um, in six games, but I, but I, I don't think, I, I, I mean, if they have to get to seven games, something's gone wrong. But I don't think the road really affects the Cavs anymore. I really don't. Yeah, they're just, they're, they're a veteran team. No one on this team, n- none of the important players on this team are going to get phased by a rowdy environment. Um. Yeah, but still, 
taking you're taking you're playing with fire if you're playing in game seven. Oh, you're definitely playing first. But like I said, I mean, if you have to go to seven games and something went wrong in the three that you've already lost. Well, but, but... given how the Cavs can sometimes lose focus, we saw it in yeah. game just just in the last game in game three when it was like, well, okay, we're up seventeen points, and then they started messing around, and the Raptors start junking the game up. I mean, Boston will do that all game, every game, and throw a lot of different guys at them, and they'll have Aaron Baines setting monster picks and grabbing Kevin Love's thumb, elbow, whatever he can. And, you know, they're, they're going to have, you know, uh, Marcus Smart will be the, the Lance Stevenson of this series, and, you know, you'll, and Terry Rozier will probably hit some big shots when they need him, and... We'll see. I mean, I, I I don't think it'll be... I think it's a mistake to underestimate them, and I didn't. Like, I felt like they were going to beat Philadelphia. Uh, I didn't think it was going to be a sweep, but and it won't be now, obviously, but, but man, they, they just... They're, All right. they're a well-coached team. Okay, so I got something for you. Um, name uh, a playoff team... That had a worse offensive rating than the Celtics did this year. Uh, um, in the regu- in the regular season when they had Kyrie Irving, Utah. No. Are they the that's worst? Good, that's a good guess. They're the worst. Yeah, they're the worst. Very good. Very good, wise man. So, they were the worst offensive team of all the playoff teams in the regular season, and that was with Kyrie Irving. Yeah. So, like, I, I'm impressed, too, with what they've been able to do. But um, the Cavs in this regular season, when they were a hot freaking mess, were still the fifth in the league in offensive rating. Yeah. And they've, you know, Toronto was number two. Um, and the Cavs had no problem, you know, outscoring the Raptors. Now, the Celtics were the number one team in defensive rating. Uh, they were tied with the Jazz. Right. Uh, Toronto was fifth, not too far behind. Toronto certainly didn't play like they were fifth this series. No, they didn't. They did not. But, yeah, I just... I think that it's great that the the Celtics are going to play great defense again. But here's the thing. They were a pretty good defensive team the last couple years. Um, They just had problems rebounding. They were a good perimeter defensive team. I just... I don't know. I'm surprised you guys think that the... Celtics series will be tougher than the Raptors. I mean, by like every metric, they were an inferior team this regular season. Sure, or, it can't or, be any easier though. <laughs> That's the thing. <laughs> they yeah. Just swept. Yeah. No, I hear you. That's a good point. No, I just think I think they again they're well coached. They play. They play. They they don't. I mean, whereas Indiana didn't give up, like Boston really doesn't give up. Like I just, I can, I can just see them, especially if the Cavs are lax at all with their, with their switching and their and their perimeter defense, because you know those guys, those guys are the kings of hitting Yolo threes this year. It seems like whether it's, I mean, Tatum was shot incredibly well from three. Uh, you know, Smart will miss ten threes, but then he'll make like the next three. Um, Rozier was, was getting pretty good from three. Even Horford can hit some threes. Um, and I'm sure they'll try to do that to really draw guys out of the paint and open things up for the young guys to drive. And I'm sure they'll try to turn the Cavs over and play the fast break game quite a bit too. Um, 
Yeah. And I, I have major concerns still about the second unit. I mean, I, I like that Ty Lue's been getting into this this rotation with LeBron where he sits him with three three or four minutes left in the in the first quarter and then, again, does the same thing at, in the third quarter and keeps him fresh, you know, to, to finish off the halves. But, um, you know, I mean, even tonight when LeBron was in there, that's when they, you know, with, with Clarkson and, and Jeff Green and Tristan – um, you know, and Seti instead of Jetty instead of uh, Hood tonight. That's when the Raptors kind of came back and took a, a lead for a minute. You know, I mean that's that's going to be where where they're going to struggle, I think, against the Celtics. And the Celtics have a lot of guys on their bench they can they can interchange and and keep coming at you with. So I'm not saying they. I mean, look, I think the I, I I'd like to believe it'll be five. I just want to hedge my bets and say six because I do think. Um, you know, I think the Cavs could could uh, not underestimate them, but but lose focus a little bit in in a game or two. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Celtics are athletic, and that athleticism kind of up and down the lineup could cause some problems for the Cavs, where um, you know DeRozan and Lowry are not the same type of athletes. You know, they're more polished players, so. I could see, you know, Tatum and Rozier and, and Jalen Brown um, just trying to get into a track meet, and that could that could affect the Cavs somewhat. But yeah, I don't know. J- Jason Tatum's nineteen years old, and he's, le- he's leading them in scoring. I mean, it's it's awesome, but I I don't know. I just have a tough time believing it's gonna. Do you guys still remember at the beginning of the year when Jason Tatum? came out and said that he envisioned that his matchup with LeBron's going to go well. And then LeBron <laughs> made it a point to block his first career shot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, LeBron tends to do that stuff. Like, you think he's not paying attention, but but he but he usually is. So, um, so just switching subjects, where do you guys think the Raptors go from here? Do they blow it up? Do they... Try well, again. Try again. Hope, just, hope, hope LeBron leaves and goes to another team. Vu, right? It's like we say this every year. Yeah. Um, I, I I was shocked they didn't blow it up the last time, and they wound up signing all these guys to like max contracts. Yeah. Because they can't move I, that. I they can't move I, that I Ibaka was... deal. Like that Ibaka deal is like two more years, and like I think it's like like twenty four million or something like that. It's it's really gross. Yeah. I don't know what they should do. I mean, I I I appreciate the teams that don't blow it up and that try to, you know, find some change that they can actually make given their resources. Like I I appreciated uh, when the Hawks got Damari Carroll and Paul Millsap. You know, year after year of kind of futility, and they signed two guys at bargain deals. I think they got. I think I got Millsap on a three-year deal of less than $10 million a year, which at the time, I mean, he was an all-star caliber player. Right. And then they grabbed Carroll for, like, the biannual exception or something stupid. And I remember this because, um, you know, we spent a lot of time on the blog trying to figure out who would be some good additions, and we pointed to both of those guys as, like, oh, we should go after these guys. Because Carroll had just... Um, 
come out really smelling really pretty in um, Rapham that previous season. Right. And then, yeah, lo and behold, the Hawks went from like, oh man, 42 wins every year to like 60. And now it didn't mean anything for them, but I don't know. I mean, you could take the sort of the Celtics approach, which has been, we're not really going to go all in for like five years. We're just going to try to wait out LeBron. Um, (laughs) You know, I don't know. I think they probably thought, yeah, that would, that seemed like a bad plan now, but I mean, look, if, I guess if LeBron on the off chance that he, that he would go to the West, like if he decided to team up with the guys in Houston or something, which I think would be silly, but just as, just, you know, as a as an example, like even with that, like don't you think their windows kind of closing with with these young teams, like the Sixers and the Celtics? The Celtics will have Kyrie and Hayward back next year, and unless they trade one of them for for Kawhi, right? And then you know the the Sixers are only going to get better. Um, Milwaukee could still still potentially get better. I mean, Toronto's got a lot of interesting young guys that they yeah, might they still be able to build around. Like Ananobi has been yeah. pretty good this year as a rookie. And you've got, uh, I mean, Siakam. they'll have to make, well, yeah, Siakam. They'll have to make a decision on Van Vliet because he's a free agent. And I think he'll he'll get paid by somebody. So here's the interesting thing while we're talking about this because on the inside of the NBA after the game, they asked these guys, who would you rather, who would you take over the next couple years? Would you rather be the Celtics or the 76ers? And I thought it was interesting because, like, yeah, on paper, those are the two teams that you're like, oh, man, like, they're ascending. But then I started thinking about it, and I'm like, you know, yeah, we don't know what the injuries are going to do to Kyrie and, and Hayward. And Horford is, you know, no spring chicken. So, yes, you have – you have some good young talent, which is what they're showing right now. But if the Cavs just like sweep them or something, are we really going to be like, oh man, like that rising, you know, Celtics team? Maybe. And then with the 76ers, they got such huge contributions out of their trade deadline acquisitions of like Bellinelli and uh, what's the other guy's name that used to play? Oh, Ilya Sova. Ilya Sova, yeah. I'm thinking like, okay, what about the Cavs? Like, look at the Cavs next year. We got, how old's Larry Nance Jr.? Like 24? 25. Yeah, okay. And Chetty Osmond, what's he, like 21? Yeah, 21, 22, I think. Okay, and Zizic as a backup center is pretty good. And then they're going to have a top 10 draft pick. Kevin Love is, like, staunchly in his prime. LeBron's prime is seemingly never-ending. And then you round it out with, like, the ageless one, Kyle Korver. <laughs> like, the you know, the Cavs are going to have a... Oh, yeah. Look, Pretty George Hill. Look. George Hill's going to be around, and he's only he's only what thirty one. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the Cavs next year, and I'm like, they could be a lot better if their veterans don't really drop off too much, and they sure. get big contributions from their young guys. And who knows? Maybe they can shake Rodney Hood of whatever is ailing him. Yeah. Well, I don't think people are going to be lining up to pay Rodney Hood after this this no. uh, well, last couple just, of months. There's also just not a lot of teams with cap space to. Yeah. Use it on Rodney Hood, so No, that's true. Well, and that's the other thing too. Look look I'm I'm not disagreeing with you, Tom. I, I think uh I, I think it'd be silly for him to leave because everything he would want as far as like a you know, younger guys is is here and you know, they could add a, a Michael Porter Junior or a 
uh, Mikal Bridges or, you know, Colin Sexton or someone like that. Or they could draft one of those guys and package them with with a couple of pieces for another big piece. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think they should, personally. I think they should package it for a proven thing. I think you got to stick with this mode of you're always in win-now mode. You're never building for the future. Yeah. Now, um, and so I think a, a, you know someone that's established um, would do more to help the Cavs, uh, as long as they're athletic. Like That's why I like the, Larry, like the Larry Nance pickup, because that's a guy that adds youth and athleticism um, so if they can work on his toughness and his uh, hands, hands, yeah, no, seriously, if they can work yeah. on his toughness and his hands, he could be a really nice piece because he plays he plays good defense. He was really good when they the first couple of weeks when they yeah. got him. Yeah, he was. And then after the hamstring injury, kind of you know he tailed yeah. off, and then it just felt like he just was uncomfortable with how they were using yeah. him and who didn't really know his place in the in the lineup. So yeah, look, yeah. A, a, an off season and a training camp. With this current team all together, you'd feel like they can only get be a better version of what they've right. been. Right? Yeah. Well, that's why I'm looking at them right now, and I think uh, credit to Brent Barry, who I think said it tonight during the game. He mentioned like you know these guys are actually learning to play with each other a little bit, like right now, and he said it in the midst of that third quarter explosion. Yeah. Because the chemistry was just at such a high for the Cavs. And I remember thinking, like, he's absolutely right. These guys have not played a lot of minutes with each other this year. You know, there's been so many lineup changes and a lot of just throwing stuff at a wall to see what sticks. So, yeah, yeah, they, I mean, all I can say is, like, I don't see how anyone's going to beat the Warriors, but um, (laughs) if the Cavs just keep, keep on improving, they could at least make it interesting. Sure. Well, I guess it all depends on on uh, how tired out the Rockets can make them, right? Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, that becomes a war. Do we all feel like that that's gonna go chalk there? That's gonna be Rockets Warriors in the in the oh, Western. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Hopefully, it's at least like a six game series because it'd be a shame for everyone to pile on James Harden and uh, Chris Ball again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think. Uh, look, Houston is a Houston is a, the ultimate live and die by the three team. Um, although I've been really impressed with Capella and his ability to to affect things. Although, to be fair, it's against Utah, who really, I mean, their best scorer is a rookie who's had a tough go of it this this round, and um, you know, Joey Ingles. Yeah, and they're missing. Rubio, so you know it's harder to tell, you know, because really all he's got to do is is kind of go toe to toe with the Stifle Tower, right? Which is not an easy thing to do, but but uh, but I, he seems to be playable at least. I mean, I guess it'll be it'll be an interesting. That'll be the matchup I'll I'll watch really closely in that series to see, you know, if he, how how he can do against Draymond and if he can, you know, if he's if he can stay on the floor. You know, if, if as long as Draymond doesn't start getting hot from three like he has in a couple of these games against the Pelicans. Yeah. Well, um, any uh, any 
last things we saw from the game tonight? From any ob- last observations from the Toronto series or the Cavs? Cavs chances here? Do, do we feel like they're uh, they they've they're a team is ready to make another run at the title? I do. I think you know they're different than last year. Um, I think they can't replicate Kyrie's kind of individual shot making abilities, but um, you know if George Hill's healthy and uh, you know they can they can potentially do a better job dealing with um, the Splash Brothers, and you know I don't know maybe uh, maybe they can put LeBron on KD more. Than having like Richard Jefferson, yeah, you know, it, it's going to be tough. They're tough matchups, you know, no matter what you do. But I like what I see out of the Cavs. I thought tonight was the best that they've looked um, all playoffs. I mean, I just think top to bottom, they just they looked like an aggressive team that um, you know, like a lot of these threes, like Jr. was taken. Everyone kind of was acting like they were definitely going in. They had kind of a you know, a moxie about them that I haven't really seen yet. So if they just, if that momentum continues and guys stay healthy and LeBron keeps playing at this otherworldly level, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm actually excited about the conference finals. <laughs> like, I want to see if they can really lay the wood, take the Celtics out to the woodshed. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Eli? Yeah, same like Tom. I'm very bullish, and it's crazy that. This season has been so, so unique. I mean, we had the I, the Kyrie trade, the IT era for 15 games. <laughs> yeah. Then all those trades at the deadline. And then it's like, oh, let's all go back to 2016 Cavs minus Kyrie and add George Hill. And that's kind of the formula that, you know, we've, that the Cavs have used to get back to the Eastern Conference Finals. So I'm pretty optimistic. I do think, in a weird way, the floor might be higher for this team because of the defensive versatility and depth and shooting depth that we have now. Yeah. But I am still a little worried that our ceiling might be not as high because we can't, you know, it's less likely no one on this roster can score like 40 points like Kyrie did when they won. So I am optimistic, and I think... The only chance that the Cavs really have in the finals is if, you know, the guys shoot lights out for the whole series, basically, and play good defense. So, look, anything can happen, and I'm just glad that at one point everyone thought the Cavs were dead on arrival and they are going to lose to the Pacers and lose to the Raptors. And speaking of that, I mean, the easiest money I've made this year is betting the Cavs will win this series. I mean, they were a series underdog, so... It was a hundred bucks to win one hundred eighty, and that was the easiest eighty bucks I've made. So that's uh, that's pretty much all I got to wrap this up. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I would I would agree with that. I I think. Um, I mean, I was really impressed. I've been really impressed with the the two man game that that Hill and Love are are starting to to formulate. And um, I mean, LeBron's just on another planet, man. Like. That shot over the backboard tonight, or that that behind the back pass to Love in the in the paint. I mean, the guy does things that. I mean, it's funny because we watch him all the time, and we obviously we've been covering him for years now. But um, 
it just seems like every game there's something new that he does that makes you go, I can't believe what I just saw. Like, you would just have to, like, rewind the DVR and say, did that really happen? Did that, you know, like Tom, like the other night in, you know, in game two when he hit the seven or eight, you know, um, turnaround fadeaways in a row. And you just like, am I really watching this? Is it, you know, sometimes you kind of have to step out of, of your, of your, you know, your, the moment and just say, what, what is, what is going on? Like, how is this guy capable of doing these things? And, And how does he, how does he play for the team that I root for? So, yeah, I know um, it's, it's surreal. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, uh, any, uh, any, uh, takeaways, anything that's you guys have going on outside, uh, Cavs, blog or basketball that you're excited about? Mm, well, just my impending child. <laughs> Hope, <laughs> when is, he would, wish he or she would hurry up. <laughs> when is, when is, uh, Mrs. Pestak due? Tomorrow. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. Odd cap with us. Well, wait, oh, Tom, I mean, you have yeah, another just, kid on the way. Yeah, that's yeah. just a due date. Doesn't mean it's going to happen. Tom's, but Tom's, I, I hope Tom's going for his full his full uh, baseball yeah, team, full I squad. I haven't figured out why this keeps happening. Yeah, Are you guys got any clues? None that I can talk about. No children. None that I can talk about on this podcast. Um, <laughs> no, but. Uh, yeah, man, you're you're close to having. Well, you're just one shy of a starting squad, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> wow. Yep. And what's your what is the breakdown? How many girls and boys? Two girls and a boy. Okay. And you don't know what this one is, right? No, we we've never known. Yeah, I, we did We're the same thing. Surprised. We didn't know either. It's always good to be. There's only so, so many good surprises in life. So yeah. when you can actually have them, I, I think it's. It's a cool thing to do, but Amen, brother. Yeah. How about you, Eli? Anything going on this in the world? Yeah, I just wanted to give my sister a shout out. So the golf season is college golf season is over. And my sister actually won freshman of the year at Ball State University. Oh wow. Congrats. So she did pretty well. They gave her like a really nice, like framed picture. So I think that's a pretty cool gift that she got for being the best freshman so that's awesome um yeah i mean we're going to alaska next year for a golf tournament so that's cool. probably that's the cool stuff happening Nate's off old the grounds. i know i was going to ask him about some of that but <laughs> he'll give you some recommendations <laughs> yeah but other than that um i started watching westworld in the new season so yeah. Good Gotta, show. Hopefully that continues to be good and tied me over until Game of Thrones comes out. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was excited today because they announced a fifth season of Arrested Development that's coming out in June oh, on Netflix. Really? Wow. And this one, the last season four was a little underwhelming, I will say, after the, the original three. But season five, I have to say, from the from the trailer, looks very promising. So I'm very excited about that. Yeah, man. And we'll see what money's, how money's in the banana stand. That's right. We'll <laughs> see, and we'll see how uh, Ron Howard does with his his latest uh, Han Solo movie in a couple of weeks. So, what do you think? You think it'll be good? You know, I'd heard so many like negative things about it over the course of the the troubled uh, production where they replaced the original directors and you know did a bunch of rewrites and reshooting and worried about the guy that's playing Han Solo and I don't know. I mean, it looks fun to me and I'm, I'm interested to see, you know, what they do with it. And 
you know, my expectations are, are low. So I, I hopefully I, I hope to be pleasantly surprised. Just one quick thing: uh, a week from today is the NBA draft lottery. So yeah. don't forget, we're part of the Cavs are yeah. part of that this year. Yeah, Nick Gilbert. So they always show the odds to win the to win like the number one pick. But what are the odds breakdowns? I need to find something that's like what's the odds of us getting like the number four, even though we're eighth. Right, Isn't it because, kind of the same as the number one. Like, if you don't get the one, like you're you're sort of like you're sort of like in that somewhere in that three, you know, two or three range of the, of the grouping that you're in, or something like that. I don't know. I, I'm not sure. Yeah, exactly it might be. Way. Like we might. Right. Like we might. I'd heard actually, that we were. Yeah, I heard that if we don't get the first pick, if we we miss out the on best the best we can do is like five or something or six. I think like six to eight, okay. like in that range. So, I bet I can find this. I don't know. I mean, it, it's funny. Like, I, I'm with you. I, I don't think that whoever they pick, it'll be an Andrew Wiggins situation. Okay, top, top three picks okay. are, are ping pong balls. Yeah, it's like 10%, I think. So basically, if we don't get one, two, or three, then the most we could do is move up. Or could we move up at all? We can only move down. We can only move down. I don't down. think we can move up, yeah. If the because, like, a team us behind us yeah. would have to get one, two, or three. So if we don't get one, down. two, or three, we're probably getting eight. And maybe if somehow a team with, like, very little chance leapfrogs us, then we would get, like, nine or ten. Right. So how many, like, insane prospects are there supposed to be in this draft? I think, I think there's... Like, well, go ahead. Personally, I think it's, like, there's a eight, nine guys that are good but obviously there's like three that are going to supposedly be elite yeah three or four i could say would say like ayton is definitely a big time dude bagley is uh don is yeah and then there's one other i thought maybe the other is it wendell carter or uh wendell carter or maybe uh jaron jackson jaron jackson that's the other one Yeah. yeah that's kind of the big four and then after that, then the next four are like kind Trey of all Young. in that same. Yeah, yeah. I know a lot of people thing. don't. A lot of people don't like Trey Young on the board. Um, and a lot of people think Bamba is just kind of one dimensional. Although, yeah, I don't like Trey Young either. Look, I'd be I'd be thrilled if they got Macau Bridges. I think he's exactly the kind of like three and D wing that would be great for this team. But um, kind of almost like a like a JR replacement eventually. But um, but longer, you know. Um, yeah. But I'd be okay with Michael Porter Jr. too. I mean, he's certainly a talented guy. I don't. Back problems are always tricky. But but I, I would say let's not kid ourselves. I think if there's a trade out there to be made to to get a a, a win now type of piece, um, you know, if again this is all predicating that LeBron stays. If LeBron leaves. Then I think they keep whoever they take. And but uh, the problem is the uh, draft is like way before free yeah. agency starts. So like no, but the they have to take the, the guy. Dark. But they have to take the guy anyways. Yeah. Right. Like there's no they can't trade the pick because of the they've already traded their their first rounder to the Lakers. Oh yeah, yeah. So they have to draft somebody, and then it's just they all can't that. really trade them till no. Like, it's a Wiggins situation. It's yeah, a, they can't really trade them till August or whatever. Yeah. Right? 
Exactly. I mean, they can have like a wink. I mean, well, not not legally. Well, but. the reason why it's still important is because you know there's going to be more than one team who's going to have a star player that's going to demand a trade. Yeah. You know whether it's well, like, you got Portland that could potentially blow up. You got Washington that could potentially blow up. Well, you've got Toronto. Toronto now. The Kawhi, the Kawhi situation. Yep. Uh, what, whatever happens time. with OKC, wherever Paul yeah. George decides to go. Yeah. I actually could see a, a scenario where Paul George and Kawhi go to L.A. Mm, okay. Yeah. That'd be good. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Actually, for the Lakers' sake, I mean, no, this is no knock on LeBron, but it actually might be better for them because both of those guys still got... They're young. Yeah, they're younger, and they've still got... I mean, what, they're each like 26, 27, right? So... You know, Easy, and probably what's your, what? What what's your vibe in Lakerland? Do you think people will be willing to give up Ingram, Ball, or Kuzma, or like two of the three for Kawhi and Paul George? Do you think they would do sure. that or no? Oh, hundred percent. Okay. Lakers Lakerland only cares about stars. The problem with those three guys that you mentioned is none of them are stars. They all have a little bit of buzz about them. Like Ball has the most recognition just because of the ridiculousness of his family. But um, but you look at their games. Like, Ingram was terrible last year. He was pretty good this year. Um, but he's still not a star. And, you know, Kuzma's a really nice, you know, late-round pick that turned into something nice. But And he's a pretty good shooter. But Kuzma doesn't play very good defense either. So, yeah, I don't think they'd have any qualms at all about, about parting with some of these young guys. But you know, Randall is another name that they could part with. Um, you know, they've they've got the they've got the cachet, and I think, you know, I think Magic having is is really on the clock with this having come in, and you know, after they they depo- you know kind of deposed, uh, uh, you know, Jim Bus. I think Magic's wanting to put a stamp on this team with Rob Palenka, and they'll go after every big name they can. I think, you know, the 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 pie in the sky is LeBron if for some reason he decided he'd want to do that. And then but they'll definitely try to get they'll definitely try to get Paul George and I think they have other than the Celtics, they probably have the most to offer the Spurs if they are forced to part ways with Kawhi. And I actually think Kawhi would probably prefer the LA market to the Boston market if he's talking about places he wants to play. Yeah. I don't know. I just get in a lot of, uh, I have a lot of, being Korean, I have a ton of Laker fans that are my friends, and they they all think they could get Kawhi for, like, Randall and maybe Kuzma. And I'm just like, no, like, you're the, well, you got to give up a and lot the, more. And a couple of draft picks. Yeah. <laughs> a, couple of, a couple of first rounders, maybe. I think so. the, Spurs will ask, the Spurs will ask for Ingram. The Spurs would ask probably for Ingram and Kuzma or maybe like Josh Hart and a couple of number ones. Yeah. And Magic might pay that because he's got an extra one that the Cavs gave him. And, you know, the one thing I don't think the Spurs would take back is Isaiah Thomas. Because <laughs> he was really right. he he triggered there. me by mentioning him. I have to get off his podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and we'll with that we'll say uh, we'll we'll call it a night and uh, look 
I have a few few well almost a almost a whole week off here with before the ECF. Yeah, a lot and, of sweet lot of sweeping to do with all these brooms. Yeah, likely likely a, a rematch with the Celtics from last year's uh, Eastern Conference Finals, although I'll be at a different looking series. So until then, go Cavs. Go Cavs. Go Cavs. Thank you for listening to Cavs the Blogs Podcast. Check back soon for some more fun with your favorite blogger. There's a fire. And we're out. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.